The tall building felt so cheerful and fanciful during the day. As Shura looked over the castle-shaped structure in the shadows of the night, they couldn't help but feel a strange sense of dread overtake them. Something about it felt downright wrong. Sneaking around the back felt even worse. It was probably because Shura had never been much of a rule-breaker. If anything, they constantly felt like their hands were tied down and being rebellious just wasn't something they were allowed to do. Except for that singular time. Shaking the memories away, the painter stepped over a fallen trash can. Or, at least, she tried to. A soft yelp escaped her as she tripped and stumbled forward. Careful now, came a familiar voice. Shura peeked an eye open, realizing that she hadn't actually hit the ground. A pair of dark hands held her up and pulled her back onto her feet. Fairy Floss stepped out of the door the artist had failed to see moments ago, giving her a warm smile. I almost thought you weren't going to show up, the bot laughed. I almost did not, Shura admitted softly. Are you sure you'll not get in trouble for this? What if there are cameras? What, you mean like that one? Fairy asked, smirking as she pointed upward. There, about ten feet above them, was a camera lazily plastered onto the wall. The sight of it made Shura's blood run cold. Any color that was in their face drained away as they felt their body freezing. The last thing they needed was some sort of legal trouble overseas on a job that should have been quite simple. Thankfully, before Shura could overthink things, Fairy's arms stretched out to angle the camera upwards towards the trees of the nearby forest. There, see? No harm done. I already moved it a little earlier anyway. We're in a blind spot right now. The idea of being unseen made the smaller being far more comfortable. The last thing they needed was to get fired because they wanted to go out looking for animals with one of the bots they were supposed to be drawing. As Shura's pale gaze turned to the trees behind the building, a strange sense of calm washed over them. Forests were familiar. They'd grown up in one nearly all their life. It made the urban life they now lived in Japan both refreshing and overwhelming at the same time. Shura tried to look at it as a forest of skyscrapers. They were like trees, but bigger. Instead of animals, there were just more people. It was a strange way of viewing things, and she knew it, but it made the adjustment easier. The forest before them was new, but it looked as though it held just as many old secrets as the one she'd grown up in. Dark shadows hid the animals that made their way through the night while others lay in their nests awaiting the return of the sun. The painter reached into her pocket, pulling out her phone and giving it a shake to turn on the light. Fairy Floss, on the other hand, didn't need to use an external light. With a slow blink, the color of her eyes shifted from blue to a pale green. Night vision, she said cheerfully, pointing at her own eyes before Shura could ask. The artist found herself more fascinated with the bot by the second. Fairy was full of surprises, wasn't she? It does not look too dense to walk through, Shura noted, turning her gaze back to the forest before them. There are lots of roots, as the trees are very old, so we must tread carefully. Well, look at you taking the lead, Fairy mused. Sounds like you know your way around the woods. Excuse me? Before Shura could manage to respond, Zavi all but burst through the door. He huffed angrily, turning his upset gaze to Fairy Floss. Were you really about to go out with Shura without me? He asked, completely and utterly offended by the idea. The clown's mannerisms had Shura giving a soft giggle while Fairy waved off his worry. It was a girl's night. But if you really wanna, you can come too. She laughed out. A girl's night? Unlike Zavi, who had appeared quite quickly through the door, Eerie's form slowly emerged from the shadows, with Mirage in tow. Might we join you as well, dear? Ah, not you, Zavi groaned. He tried to shove Mirage back inside, only being met with unhappy swatting from the shorter bot. Hey, that's not fair! I want to see what the fuss is about! Mirage protested. 
Normally, they craved isolation. However, being told they weren't allowed to come only made them want to be there out of pure spite. What are we doing? They asked. Zabby simply couldn't stop himself. He slapped a hand over his own forehead, letting out another dramatic noise uh. of exasperation. You don't even know what we're doing, and you still want to come? A realization hit him, and slowly Zabby turned his gaze back to Shura. What are we doing? Shura had never laughed more in their life. Something about the tallest clown simply brought it out of them. We're going to look at what kind of wildlife lives in the area. <laughs> she laughed out softly. Fairy seems to have something in her wall. We want to figure out what it is. I didn't even find any holes in the walls outside. Fairy replied with a nod. So whatever it is isn't getting through the sides. Might be the roof, but I haven't managed to get up there yet. So we're hunting for animals? Mirage asked, tilting their head to the side. In the dark? Coming along suddenly sounded a lot less interesting, but they were determined to stay with the group until the very end, if only to piss Zavi off. It was something small and petty, and it delighted them to see him frustrated after how he'd been treating them. Guess that could be interesting, they noted. It sounds like we're going on quite the adventure, Eerie piped up from their arms. The puppet brought a fond smile to Shura's features as she looked over at her. Though she wasn't fond of Mirage's other little wooden friends, Eerie was somehow much different. She was special. We probably should not be out here for too long, Shura said as she took the first step into the forest. I do not want anyone to notice you're all missing. We might also have to wash some of your clothes if it is dirty or muddy out here. Here in Washington, it seemed to rain every single day. At the very least, it had rained every day Shura had been there so far. It was actually quite pleasant weather. Had the artists not had so many problems with planes, they would have liked to visit more often. How are we supposed to see where we're going? Mirage asked, glancing around from bot to person. What? Your eyes don't have night vision? Zavi chuckled out. Well, that sounds like a skill issue. I wasn't built for that! The puppet master insisted. The more the two bickered, the more Fairy already felt her head giving its odd little twitches as her programming was starting to try and flip back and forth. It wasn't supposed to be like this. Falling in love was something robots could be programmed to do if their owners wished it, but her system wasn't built for that. Someone had the bright idea to have it only come into play when she was on a stage. Whoever led the show would win her affection. The main problem with this was that it was beginning to seep out into her everyday interactions. Anyone who took the lead in a conversation or in their circus-styled performances would spark that strange set of numbers flying through her circuits. She hated it. It didn't feel right to have false feelings for someone just because her original troupe wanted her acting to be more believable. It wasn't fair. No... Not now, she muttered to herself, reaching to grasp her head. All she'd wanted was a fun night out where she didn't have to worry about her settings kicking in. Thankfully, Shura stepped forward to interrupt the fighting. We can share my light, Mirage. Watch your step. The tree roots will gladly send you down to the ground should you step on them wrong. You say that like they're doing it on purpose, Zavi replied in amusement. Though if he was being honest with himself, he was quite unhappy with how close Mirage was to his new favorite human. Without a word, he pushed his way forward to butt his way in between them. A single arm wrapped around Shura to pull her closer as they walked. Mirage let out a grumble of unhappiness. It wasn't Shura they cared about. It was the light. They weren't built to work without it, and the forest was far darker than they were used to. Even their gothic room had more light sources than what the moon was able to provide between the trees. Thankfully, Fairy took Shura's place by their side to lead them. Oh, they might. Shura responded. They live and feel more than people think they do. Sounds spooky, Fairy said in excitement. Shura, Mirage uttered in interest. Where do you come from? Sounds like you know more than you're letting on. 
The feeling of being perceived made Shura's spine tingle. Nevertheless, the artist forced a smile onto their face. I grew up in Russia, in a cabin in the woods. There was a small village nearby, but no big cities. We liked our privacy, I suppose you could say. She said nervously. Hmm, the puppet master nodded. And were there any stories from your woods? Stories? Like folk tales? Ah, there were many. The artist confirmed as she carefully made her way up a little hill. Many different things lived in our forests. But the most important rule when you experience a meeting with one is to pretend you didn't. Pretend you didn't? Mirage asked in confusion. She means to ignore it, you dolt, Zavi huffed. Don't call me a dolt, Trollop. The shorter bot spat back. Now hush. Fairy scolded, gently pushing the two a little further apart as they all walked. Shura was telling us about craters. Unfortunately, it was too late to defuse the situation. Zavi puffed up his chest like a bird putting on a display and towered over both Fairy and Mirage. What did you just call me? He demanded. What? Too daft to understand? Mirage asked, their smile somehow widening. I said you're a trollop, a knob, a truffer, an absolute maggot! With a loud, dramatic gasp, Zavi took a step back and placed a single hand against his chest in mock shock. How dare you? He cried. He admittedly didn't know what half of those insults even meant, but they were insults and he took high offense to them. Hey now. Fairy started, trying to get them to stop. Once more, her head was starting to twitch. Even the volume of her voice seemed to be suffering, coming out in more of a whisper. How dare I? How dare you? Being a right wanker just because I don't pick up on things well and don't see in the dark. Mirage huffed. They wanted so badly to frown, but they were unable to. Their own head was twitching as the mechanism that had been modified tried to activate time and time again. It wanted to do what they were made for. Their head wanted to turn. There could be no comedy without tragedy. They couldn't be happy if they couldn't express their sadness. Something small was stuck in the back of their neck. Mirage had felt it there. Their nimble fingers pried at it every night, pulling and yanking at it to no avail. Whatever it was, it was stuck tight. It was uncomfortable. It hurt. At least, this is what they thought pain would feel like. Mirage could always feel it there taunting them. It made everything else around them feel damn near overwhelming. Can't see in the dark, skill issue, Zavi sang. Friends, I- Stop saying that! Fairy's grasp on her head grew tighter as she felt the programming flipping faster and faster. The edges of her mouth twitched, trying to pull up into a smile as she fought to keep it as a frown. The only one who took notice of her condition was the pale painter beside her. Why should I? It's true- The surprisingly loud voice from the Russian made Zavi quite literally jump in place, a look of shock coming over his features. Hearing the command to be silent in a different language was a distraction enough, but the fact that Shura had been the one to take command threw all three robotic clowns off kilter. Relief spread over Fairy's features as she offered Shura a smile of thanks. Quiet, Shura said, switching back to English as they smoothed out the front of their sweater. We do not know what is in these woods, and I would like to not find anything other than small creatures. A small, eh, left Zavi as he turned his gaze away from Mirage entirely. Fine. It was far too obvious that he was only agreeing for Shura's sake. Some part of him deep inside called for him to try and fix whatever was broken between himself and the shortest bot. For the moment, the stubborn part of him that usually was in the forefront simply wouldn't allow it. Not yet. Finally. Now we can get back to business. Back to critter hunting. 
The sudden sound of the bushes beside them rustling had the entire group standing at attention. Shura, in particular, found herself standing with her back completely straight, her eyes forward rather than looking at the bush itself. Without a word, she turned on her heels and started back down the path they'd chosen to take deeper into the woods. Wait a minute, Zabby called. What was that noise? I did not hear anything. Shura insisted, continuing to move forward. Come, we are losing moonlight. If you thought you heard something... No, you didn't. That was one of the biggest rules when it came to creepy things that may or may not have been in the forest. Mirage followed after them, nudging Zabby on their way past. Ignore it, remember? They noted, keeping their voice low. Well, wait for me! Zabby called, scrambling after Shura. It might be wise for us to head back to Star Palace. Eerie said, her little head turning to look up at Mirage. But we can't stop now. Fairy insisted. We just started! And I haven't even seen a single critter yet. As if on cue, the bushes to their left rustled as something rushed past them. Shura stiffened once more, keeping their gaze away from the sound. They even went out of their way to cover the side of their face with one hand as whatever it was rushed past them the other way. She didn't see it. It wasn't there. We need to keep moving. The pale human insisted. Forward or back. Decide. A branch snapped behind them, making Zabby jump forward to wrap all of his arms around Shura. It seemed the decision had been made for them. Before anyone could think to move, they were bombarded with the surprisingly loud sound of Shura's phone going off. The soft, sweet piano that should have been comforting had everyone on edge faster than they could blink. Turn it off! Fairy insisted. Shura nearly dropped it in an effort to send the call directly to voicemail. However, when her eyes fell upon who was calling, a cold rush of fear ran through her veins. It was Dimitri. The phone was silent for only a few seconds before the man was calling back. Dimitri, I apologize, but I really cannot talk right now. Shura answered in a hushed whisper. The fuck do you mean you can't talk right now? Their brother spat out. I call, you answer. It's as simple as that. I am in a place I should not be, and I do not wish to get in trouble. The artist insisted, hoping it would be enough to extinguish their brother's anger. A smooth hand slipped over Shura's, and the phone was snatched away from them by Zabby. The much taller clown, still holding on to them, had heard all of two seconds of this talk, and he already didn't enjoy how Shura was being spoken to. Hello, he sang. You've called at a bad time. Shura will get back to you whenever she has the time. Deal with it. Who the hell is this? Shura? Dimitri shouted, only to be completely cut off as the clown hung up on him. There, problem solved, he said proudly, grinning down at Shura. Unfortunately, there was no smile of gratitude on her face. The painter was filled with absolute dread, looking up at Zappy with eyes wide as dinner plates. Zavi, what did you just do? She whispered, almost sounding as though she had no air left inside of her. Everything was happening so fast. First the creature, then the phone call, and now another noise behind them. All the group's attention was pulled to the woods as something rushed towards them. With a loud screech of fright, Zappy threw the only thing he had on hand. Shura's phone. There was a noise of surprise from whatever it had hit, and a loud audible crack from the phone itself. Oh! Uh... Sorry! <laughs> Zabby chuckled nervously. Whatever he'd hit let out a loud noise of frustration. Now even Mirage found themselves feeling nervous. They clutched Eerie tighter and dashed into the forest. Run for it! They called. For once, I agree with you. Zappy responded, scooping up Shura into his arms so that he could run after the shorter bot. Only Fairy hesitated for a moment, staring in the direction of the noise for a long moment before she followed. It seemed to wait for her to run before it chased after them. 
The noise grew louder and louder, rummaging through bushes, breaking sticks and twigs that it came across, and even seemed to jump from tree to tree as a means to try and catch up to them. The trees flew past their bodies like giant black blobs of ink against the moonlight night. Mirage struggled to keep their footing as they ran directly behind the others, relying on their large shapes before them to see exactly where they were going. Part of them wondered if they could ask Doc for night vision like the others had, but something told them that the woman wouldn't agree. Shura couldn't make sense of anything that was happening. Her mind was so filled with fearful thoughts of how Dimitri would react to not being able to get a hold of her for the next two weeks that she was trying to formulate a way to communicate. Maybe she could send him a message on her tablet. There was no way she could properly get a phone replacement here. The SIM card wouldn't be the same as it was in Japan, and the calculator service would be completely different. The only thing that pulled her from her thoughts was the feeling of Zabby sliding to a jarring halt. A small cul-de-sac replaced the forest, though the houses were quite scarce. The group was unsure of how to feel about the sudden lack of coverage. Having their surroundings completely visible to them made getting away easier, but that also meant they were completely out in the open. They were exposed. What do we do now? Zabby asked, gripping Shura tighter. No one but the painter noticed that Mirage had pulled out their whittling knife. They clutched Eerie to their chest, looking around as if they were ready to go to battle for her. It would have been sweet if the situation hadn't been so terrifying. Over there! Mirage called. The idea of fighting was abandoned as their sights fell upon a truck not too far away. Zavi found himself looking back and forth between the other bot and the trees behind them. Whatever was after them was moving about in the darkness, staying just out of view. He hardly noticed when Mirage pulled a bobby pin out of their hair, bent it into a V, and shoved it into the lock of the truck. Newer cars couldn't have their locks picked like this, but this one was older and easy as pie. The lock clicked open far too quickly, and the puppet master yanked the door open with little regard as to where the pin went. How did you know how to do that? Zabby demanded, craning his body to try and watch as Mirage set Eerie down on one of the seats. The shorter bot pulled out a plastic panel under the steering wheel, tossing it out of the vehicle before they went digging through the wires. The taller bot swayed side to side with Shura in his arms, all in an effort to see what the other was doing. There was a strange little sound as Mirage fiddled with the wires, and suddenly, the truck started up. How did you know how to do that? Zabby shrieked out. Rather than answering him, Mirage simply climbed inside, slid all the way over, and pulled Eerie into their lap. No questions. Get in. Eerie insisted. Zabby's head was spinning with questions. What the hell was chasing them? How did Mirage know how to lockpick? Had they just hotwired a car? Why did they even know how to do that? Only Shura giving his chest a small pat seemed to pull him out of the whirlwind of thoughts. They needed to go, and they needed to go now. The tallest bot leaned down to gently deposit Shura into the middle of the truck's long, singular seat. Climbing in himself was a harder feat. His knees pushed up against the steering wheel, and he found himself unsure as to where he should even put all four of his arms. There was one more problem with their whole arrangement. How the hell was Fairy supposed to fit in? There was no room left for her in the seat. In fact, there wasn't really room enough for the group currently sitting there. Shura gave an unhappy groan as she was squished between the two bots. Zavi's body may have been meant to feel squishier and more pleasing to the touch, but the silicone cover could only soften up his metal frame so much. On the other hand, Mirage had nothing to soften them. It was all hard and all uncomfortable. She did her best to cross her legs, hoping that would make her at least feel like she had a little more space. Fairy! Mirage called from the cracked window. Come on, get in the back! The last member of their party was standing near the edge of the forest. Whatever was there hadn't come all the way out, and she found that every time she moved side to side, the noise would seem to follow her. It hadn't chased after the rest of the group. It was only chasing her. Fairy, if you don't get your ass in there within the next two seconds, you're running home! Zabby cried. 
Alright, alright, I'm coming! Spinning on her heel, Fairy bolted for the truck and virtually dove into the back of it. The impact was enough to make the whole vehicle tilt, nearly falling over completely before it slammed back down on all four wheels. What are you waiting for? Fairy asked as she yanked the small window in the back open. Drive! Shura doesn't have a seatbelt! Zavi yelled back, trying to look around for one. With a groan of annoyance, the candy-colored bot shoved as much of her upper body as she could through the small window, wrapping her arms all the way around Shura to keep the painter stable. I'm her seatbelt. Now go! I don't know how to drive! He insisted. Right pedal is go! Left pedal is stop! Drive! Mirage shouted. Rather than waiting for Zavi to make a decision, the puppet master leaned over Shura to shift the car into gear and shoved down on Zavi's knee to make him press down on the gas. The truck jolted forward awkwardly and seemed to whine at all the weight inside of it. It was old and rusted. It wouldn't last much longer by the sound of it, but it was their only escape option. As the truck struggled to bring them forward, the creature bounded forward out of the woods. There was a loud thunk sound as it clung to Fairy's bottom as she let out a loud shriek of shock. She screamed, reaching to shove Zavi's leg down just as Mirage had. The truck jolted again and suddenly gained speed. Would you guys quit touching my- His words were interrupted by a loud panicked noise as the clown swerved to keep from hitting the fence and mailbox before them. Somehow this was a lot harder than humans made it look. Driving seemed so easy, but there he was with a truck full of screaming co-workers as they careened down one of the many steep hills of Seattle. The noise was almost unbearable. Fairy and Mirage may not have been human, but their wails of fright were still triggering his need to take care of people in trouble. Even with Fairy's arms around Shura's body and one of Zabby's reaching across to protect her, she didn't feel safe. The truck was moving so quickly that it was almost like they weren't even touching the road anymore. The steep decline of the hill made her feel as though she was on the worst roller coaster in human history. To make matters worse, she could see a small coffee stand at the bottom of the hill. It was something she'd only seen in Washington, a drive-through coffee hut. Had it been a store, the painter might have been worried that the truck would drive through a window or wall and launch them all out of it. With as small as the shack in front of them was, she was instead worried that the truck would not only send her flying to her doom, but that it would entirely take out the establishment with it. One final scream left the Russian's throat as she reached to cover her face with her hands. She simply couldn't bear to watch what would surely be their end. Mirage, on the other hand, wasn't ready to be a pile of scrap yet. Stop! Stop! They shouted. You told me to go, and now you're telling me to stop? Zavi shouted back. Stop, you stupid thing! Stop! He stomped his foot down twice, hitting the gas pedal and forcing the car to speed up further. Not that one! Fairy cried out, reaching to try and help him move his leg over. Left! Without a second of hesitation, Zavi bashed his foot down against the left pedal. The screeching of the tires was so loud that it took over any thoughts he might have had. His sensors squeezed shut and everyone inside of the vehicle hoped for this terrifying ride to end. Meanwhile, none of them saw a very familiar face coming out of the coffee shack. Cricket hoisted up the four bags of trash from their cleaning duties. Their second job was normally chill since it was the overnight shift. Tonight, the screeching of tires and distressed screaming were the only indicators that they had to duck out of the way. The truck flew past where they'd been standing moments before, spinning a full 360 degrees before it finally shuddered to a stop. Whatever had been holding onto Fairy's behind was flung off at the back of the pickup. It collided with the large green dumpster Cricket had been heading to previously. The shock of the situation had them frozen in place, the bags falling out of their hands and spilling garbage on the asphalt. A large black mark now marred the parking lot from where the tires had skid during its spin, and a very confused set of bots met the security guard's gaze. Only then did they see Shura set up in the middle of the truck, seeming like they were about to be sick again. 
The hell? Was all Cricket could manage to say at first. Finally, she turned to try and see just what had slammed into her company's dumpster. Laying in an indent in the metal was another, much smaller robot. He was a clown like the others, but he wasn't from Star Palace. Cricket almost hated how quickly she recognized his little form. Wait a second. Aren't you the mascot for El Takis? Across the street from Star Palace? She asked, staring wide-eyed at the bot. Slowly but surely, the group stumbled out of the truck and made their way over to get a glimpse of the thing that had been chasing them throughout the woods. To think that strange, mysterious creature had just been another bot all along. Hi, the tiny clown said, awkwardly waving at the group. Unlike the others, Taki's voice sounded much more tinny and robotic. It was one of many aspects, like his smaller size, that portrayed his status as a labor bot. He was meant to work in non-guest-facing positions, while the Star Palace crew were all made specifically for human interaction. I don't understand, Fairy muttered, looking him over. Why were you in the woods? I saw you go in, and I thought it would be fun to go with you. He answered, looking up at her in adoration. Wait a minute. She gasped, <gasps> reaching to pull him out of the indent and hold him up in the air. You're what's been in my walls. Uh, yeah. He admitted with a sheepish chuckle. Es que eres muy bonita. Oh. Very cooed. I have no idea what that means, but he's adorable. No, that's creepy, Zabby huffed, keeping an arm protectively around Shura's shoulders. He's been following you around and hanging out inside of your walls because he thinks you're pretty. I think it's very romantic. Eerie finally spoke up from Mirage's arms. He can't keep himself away from her. Zabby, can we keep him? Fairy asked, hugging Taki to her chest. The tallest bot gave a grimace. The way Taki melted into her touch after having essentially been stalking her the entire night put him on edge. Put it back in the dumpster where it belongs, he groaned dramatically. Cricket, meanwhile, leaned in to try and look over Shura. She didn't want to scare the painter and was very gentle about setting a hand on their arm to try and pull their attention to her instead of the situation. Hey, uh, you doing okay, champ? The security guard asked. I think I will be. Shura responded. This was quite the adventure. I was not prepared for a high-speed chase or run through the forest. I am... Very tired now. How about I whip you up a little espresso for the road and then get you all back to where you belong? Cricket offered. We can give you a ride if you need it. Zavi offered, pointing far too cheerfully to their stolen truck. Uh, nuh-uh. I'm driving. Cricket insisted, shaking her head. You've done enough damage. A few seconds passed before a sudden realization dawned on the Star Palace employee. She had to double-take, looking from the truck to Zavi and back to the truck again. Wait a damn minute. Where the hell did you even get this thing? She demanded. We, uh... Zabby started awkwardly. Borrowed it. Mirage finished. You... Her words trailed off as she reached to rub the bridge of her nose. Doc's gonna kill me when she finds out about this. 